You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. and welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. On May 27th, Queen's University announced that a multidisciplinary team from the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science has taken the science of walking to its next big step with the aid of a unique exoskeleton that allows users to walk further while using less energy. And details of this device's development and evaluation were published on May 27th in Science, one of the world's foremost scholarly journals. And with us today to discuss this new innovation are Dr. Michael Shepherticki, lead author of the study, and Dr. Chinghua Li, a co-senior author of the study and associate professor of mechanical and materials engineering. Welcome, Michael and Chinghua. Thank you so much for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, too. All right. So, gentlemen, I'm really excited to talk to you both today. Before we launch into the chat about this new exoskeleton, I'd love to hear more about yourselves and uh, the research areas uh, that you're in in the uh, Faculty of Engineering. Um, So uh, I'm actually from Thompson, Manitoba, which is pretty far up north. It's about 750 kilometers north of Winnipeg. Um, So I originally came to Kingston and Queens in 2007. And in in, uh, 2010, um, me, Dr. Lee, Dr. Liu, and Angie Dixon actually started this project um, looking into uh, biomechanical energy harvesters. Oh, amazing. Okay. And Tsinghua, how about you? So I arrived, arrived at Queen's is, uh, at the end of uh, 2008 and started my prediction at uh, mechanical and material engineering. And before that, I did my PhD at Simon Fraser University. And uh, during my postdoc work, I started working on energy harvesting. And my background or my PhD is in robotics, where I study robotic manipulation. Uh, it's a, a subfield of robotics that used in the factory op- automation. Mm-hmm. So moving things around in factories, like uh, Amazon warehouse, this type of application. And I, I was interested about the human like uh, movement a lot. Well, that's why I moved my research or my work into the field of uh, biomechanics, because the robotic background and I try to integrate robotics with human movement analysis or biomechanics. So that's leading to my research in the area of energy harvesting. When I first arrived at Queens, I continued working on the energy harvesting uh, research, as well as a wearable sensors to measure human movement. So that's the two major research area, what I have been working on for past uh, 10 years. Okay. And now I'd like to hear a little bit more about what inspired your research interests. Now, Michael, all right, let's start with you. Um, yeah, what inspired your interests in your field and how did you break into it? 
Um, so being from Northern Manitoba, I was really interested in uh, mechanical engineering and building things and uh, working on snowmobiles and dirt bikes and building my dune buggy. So I was really interested in uh, just the mechanics and how things work. And that's really inspired me to come to Queens for mechanical engineering. And really while I was here, um, I got to see the biomechanical side and see how we could incorporate uh, these solutions um, and help humans. And so that really got me interested into biomechanics. And actually I took a course in my third year with Dr. Lee, which really inspired me to continue on studying uh, human gait and gait assistance. And from there, um, I actually started working with Dr. Lee in his lab between my third and fourth year of my undergrad, where we developed, started developing this device. And um, that really sparked my interest in this field. And uh, uh, the rest is really history. But it sounds to me that uh, if I understand correctly too, earlier when we had some chats, you talked about building dune buggies and things. So building things and do, making things work and move seems to be something you've always enjoyed doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Building, uh, designing has really been a passion of mine and I greatly enjoy it. And uh, really getting into lab and designing the device and designing little uh just any project really is really what uh, I'm excited about. Um, um, so, and that, that really stemmed from a, when I was really young, starting to build uh, actually a dune buggy with my next door neighbor up in Thompson. And um, he, he really helped me um, learn to like problem solve and uh, design and build and um, really get those hands-on things and where he taught me how to weld and, um, all a whole pile of different fabrication techniques. Awesome. And Tsinghua, how about you? Uh, have robotics and biomechanics uh, always somehow been a passion of yours too? Where did the interests uh, in these fields uh, come from? What fascinates you most about them? So when I first start to learn like human body and human movement, and uh, I find that humans are you can think about it's a fantastic type of design machines, or if you think about that way, and it's much more like interesting to study compared to just metal blocks, your robotics. And I find a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things we don't understand. So that's make me thinking I need to understand more. So that's leading me to the field of uh, biomechanical energy harvesting. Also we do like robotics, wearable robotics, exoskeletons. So the interaction between the human movement and the mechanical design is uh, very much the core of our work. And I feel like really engaged. We have a lot of unknowns as well. So let's make us doing more work in the field. All right, thank you so much for sharing. Now, gentlemen, can you can you tell us about this new exoskeleton technology that uh, you and your team have worked together for so long to develop? Uh, but first, yeah, let's get back right to the basics. What is this device and essentially what does it do? So uh, to really understand how our device works, we can look into how other exoskeletons have been designed previously. Okay. So there's really a uh, two uh, major approaches prior to the new approach that we demonstrated here. And those are, are really that um, demonstrated by both active and passive exoskeletons. 
active exoskeletons or uh, devices that actually add energy into the human or human machine system through the use of actuators and electricity stored in batteries. And a real limitation of these devices is that they're dependent on the lifespan of those batteries. And then so the second type of device are known as passive exoskeletons. And these devices really transfer energy from one phase of gate to another, uh, typically being stored in a spring. And a limitation of these devices is that they're not able to uh, adapt to their users' needs, typically because they are passive and don't have an active control system. Mm-hmm. So what we demonstrated here is that um, instead of adding or transferring energy, we show that you can actually reduce the amount of energy required to walk or the amount of calories needed to be burned through removing energy. And so um, if we discuss walking um, during the swing phase, which is when your leg is actually progressing through the air and prior to it making contact to the ground, your muscles uh, naturally or your hamstrings naturally uh, remove energy to slow that movement down prior to that heel contact. And um, so how our device works is that it actually removes some of this energy for the body. We actually um, have two cables that extend down from the device and attach just above the ankles. And when you're swinging your leg forward, you actually extend these cables. And by extending these cables, you're actually driving a generator. And this generator converts a little bit of this kinetic energy into electricity that can be later used to power portable devices. However, by removing some of this kinetic energy, you don't have to um, activate your muscles as much. Therefore, you're not uh, burning as many calories. And, um, and, uh, a byproduct of that is that um, of that gate assistance is also that electricity production. Mm, okay, so with that, why is it important to economize energy while walking? Why why is the why is it necessary to reduce the amount of energy? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, econ- uh, really getting uh, economizing and uh, walking is really important because walking is really the main form of locomotion for humans, and uh, it's being it's being really the main form of transportation we do on a daily basis. So we burn a lot of calories doing it. Therefore, um, for industries and people who walk on a daily basis for their job, um, by being able to decrease the amount of calories um, you burn, we can actually allow you to um, be less tired at the end of the day, less uh, uh, um, at the end of your shift, so that you can go about your own activities and recreation. And this is um, because walking is a very uh, broad um, activity that humans do. This can assist many people every um, for out in the field, such as prospectors or hikers or anything like that, to uh, more urban settings. So that's like mail carriers and nurses. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we can really help a, a broad group of people. All right. Let's hear more from you, Chingua. I want to add in a little Michael's like a discussion and one another important application potential application is we have a old elderly population like a, a lot of seniors a lot of them cannot walk far enough not be able to walk fast enough and if we have this kind of wearable devices can assist them or improve their walking ability that will 
be a great benefit for this population. And also for people couldn't walk independently or have a limited walking ability, if we design wearable like robotics or exoskeleton properly using certain technology such as what we invented, it might help them to regain or improve their walking ability. That will fit into the rehabilitation application to this group of uh, users. Okay, so I, what I'm hearing from the both of you is then there are practical everyday applications in terms of like occupational health and safety, for example, for uh, folks that spend a lot of time on their feet and walking around, but also uh, for folks with mobility issues, yeah. uh, probably allowing them uh, a little bit more ease, a little more, more comfort, and perhaps uh, um, facilitating greater independence, <laughs> things like that. That sounds, that sounds pretty great. All right. So can we can we hear a little bit more too about the science of actually doing the research and the development of this device? For those of us who are not biomechanical engineers who have an understanding of what a lab also looks like and how it runs, can we can we talk about some of the the tasks that you have to do and what that actually looks like from research right to the final product? So uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, each day looks completely different, really. Um, so uh, my day consists of anything from design and calculations and uh, developing the mechanical device or the electrical device, uh, electrical system. Uh, so that could be anything from sitting in front of a computer and uh, using CAD to design or um, using MATLAB to simulate um, a situation to getting into a workshop and building parts and manufacturing the device itself. Um, and that leads into um, the control development. So we'll be sitting in front of a computer programming the active control system of our device and sitting there testing and making sure that everything works as we want to. And then that um, once the device is developed, we really go into the the experimental testing of it. So that consists of being in the lab where we have uh, participants walking with the exoskeleton on a treadmill with uh, all the testing equipment on them. So that's motion capture markers and EMG sensors. Um, so really working with the participants to make sure that they're comfortable and the device is working properly. And, um, and then after that, it was usually uh, probably back into the lab to analyze that massive, massive amount of data and uh, determining the performance of our device. Okay, so one day you might be modeling with MATLAB and, and then the next day you're putting on some goggles and firing up a torch with explosive gases behind you. All <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right, wide range of different activities. <laughs> Anything to add on that, Chinghua? Yeah, so I want to add on, so because this product is uh, multidisciplinary, we cross the boundaries. So we need to have a deep understanding about biomechanics, human physiology, also gait, as well as uh, the robotic side of things, how the human interact with the machine. Mm -hmm. So that's why Michael involves in understanding the biomechanics and the design the device optimize the device and design the control system, doing human experimentation, 
analyzing the data, do our statistical analysis. This whole process is uh, very much need a multi-field like a training or expertise. So that's very important uh, to understand that to achieve this uh, research is not a like a focus like field type of study, but you need to cross the boundaries to different research field. So that's why, why the training and uh, the expertise here at Queens really help us to achieve this goal. And thank you for that. Let's pick up on that if we can. Uh, talk about some of the collaborations with uh, other specialists in, in other fields. Absolutely. So we really could not have achieved this uh, without all the help from the Human Mobility Research Center and the Human Mobility Research Lab and everybody involved there, as well as um, uh, Dr. Liu and Sarah Burton and Andrew Dixon. Um, really, uh, it, this whole project was a team effort and there's been uh, multiple people involved all the way through that uh, uh, we would really like to thank because without their help, th this project really could not have uh, achieved much. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it's just, it's been great working with everybody. Fantastic. So we, we also talked about some of those practical day-to-day -day applications. I wonder if we can also talk a little bit more about the research and scientific implications of the work that you have already done. What happens next? Where do you okay. go from here? So I can start from like a, a little bit about scientific uh, like importance for this work. And as I Michael mentioned, uh, human walking is really a simple task, but a lot of underlying principles we don't really understand fully. So with this type of development, lead us to ask more questions. So why we need energy at certain part of your gait cycle or certain part of your walking cycle. Mm -hmm. And if we disturb that part of cycle, what will happen? to your energetics or your energy consumption. And also how can we make sure the device can interact with uh, the user in a beneficial way? So all those type of research questions, we just touch the surface. We still need to understand it with the new development of uh, measurement techniques and the technology and also the modeling tools. Hopefully one day we can fully understand how human walks and that will aid us to develop more effective or efficient tools to let people regain walking ability. So that is something I'm thinking will be the future goal for research. Thank you very much. Michael, anything to add? Um, yeah, so to add to Dr. Lee's um, um, what, what we really demonstrated here is that um, there are t three different muscle contractions, one being uh, concentric contractions in which the muscles uh, produce force while they're shortening, um, which was demonstrated to be able to be assisted by active exoskeletons. And then passive exoskeletons demonstrate that you can assist isometric contractions, which are uh, when the muscles producing force while not lengthening. Um, while here, where we demonstrate that uh, we, we can actually assist eccentric muscle contractions. 
um, which is when the muscle is producing force while being lengthened. And previously in, um, uh, in the field, these eccentric contractions were thought to be very efficient and may not possibly be, uh, possibly may not be able to be assisted. And here we demonstrated that actually removing energy with an exoskeleton, we act can, actually can assist the hamstrings, which are eccentrically contracting during the period uh, that we're removing energy. And uh, uh, additionally to this is that in literature previously, we thought that the um, swing phase of gait is really a passive or ballistic motion that really requires little muscle activation and cognitive load. And here we demonstrated that um, this phase is actually important in terms of the metabolic cost of walking, and it does take muscle activation and, uh, um, and we're able to assist that. So we really uh, are showing, um, uh, answering more of the questions on how we walk and why we walk by making small incremental steps. However, as Dr. Lee mentioned, there's still a lot to learn, and this is just a small piece of the entire puzzle. And um, of why walking, whilst seems extremely simple, is extremely complex. Okay. And uh, now before we close, uh, one thing we haven't actually talked about is the, uh, the publication in science. So give us some highlights of what people can expect to uh, learn in that study other than what we've already talked about. And where can we access it? Um, so uh, one key thing I guess we haven't talked about yet is that we actually found that the timing and magnitude of this energy removal is really important enable, uh, for, to be able to get a metabolic uh, advantage or decrease the amount of calories while walking. And um, in that publication, we kind of explained this unique profile that we developed that is really tuned to assist the hamstrings during a very uh, during the terminal swing phase, which is the very end of when you're swinging your leg prior to making contact. And um, so in that publication, we kind of describe um, the active control system that we developed, as well as this profile um, that was really key to this finding. Um, and you're able to find the publication on the science website, and we'll be able to sh share that link with everybody. Fantastic. Chinkua. So one more thing I want to add in, and uh, I encourage, if you really want to find out the detail about uh, the work, try to read uh, the supplemental material online. And uh, we have all the required files. You can duplicate our device, our study, and uh, even have all the data, you can reproduce all the figures and everything we did. So that is a very important part of this scientific research. Uh, we document everything and hopefully everyone can enjoy the details. Oh, fantastic. So gentlemen, anything else to add before we close our show today? So I really like to emphasize that uh, is, this kind of research is not randomly happened. We need a lot of different factors here. I think uh, Michael did a fantastic job in, you know, in achieve this goal. As I mentioned, it's a multidisciplinary like uh, research and Michael like uh, start to gain all this like uh, research skills through these years. And uh, I can see that Michael will be a superstar in the field of this exoskeleton research in the future. I will looking forward to see he can contribute more to the field. 
And I also like to thank all the collaborators and also Queen's University, the department, and everyone provide this opportunity for us to work in this field. I just want to give thanks to them. Yeah. Thank you. Michael, last words. Yeah, and I, I would like to I'd like to thank Dr. Lee for his kind words and act supervision over the many years that we've worked together, as well as Queen's University and the faculty and everybody who's really been involved in this study and uh, this project for over 10 years now uh, that we've been uh, working on it. And that's everybody from helping us get stuff laser cut and built and manufactured and um, just advice. Um, there's been so many important people that it's really, really too hard to name everybody by name. And, um, but I would like to thank everybody because it's really been a great experience um, from the get-go. And uh, it's exciting to see where this project will go. Wonderful. Well, folks, we have been chatting with Dr. Michael Shepherticki, the lead author of the new study on a unique exoskeleton that, that allows users to walk further while using less energy, along with Dr. Tsinghua Li, who is a co-senior author of this study and associate professor of mechanical and materials engineering here at Queen's University. Thank you both very much for joining us today to talk about this innovative new research, explaining the process for us and uh, talking about the practical implications. I, I'm sure we'll be seeing people using this uh, very frequently and uh, more frequently down the road very soon. Great pleasure. Thank you so much for having us, really. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.